Thank you for supporting the media outreach of New Covenant Christian Ministries. Through the powerful preaching and teaching of Pastor Bill and Dr. Deanne Johnson, family relations are being restored. The wayward are returning to God. And together, we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Join us now for a message that will strengthen you in your faith and encourage you to be all that God has designed you to be. Today I want to talk about kingdom identity. I want to talk about who are you? 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 Identity is so important. It's so important. It's so important that Jesus would immediately stop talking about the attitude he wanted them to have, and he moved directly into telling them who they were. So if he thought it was important and if it was something that was of value to him, of importance to him, then it's important for us not to skip over it, but for us to really deal with who you are, who you are, who you are. In the world that we live in today, so many people, um, identity is so important to people. In fact, if you look at it as humans, we are deeply driven by our sense of identity by our sense of who we are. That's why we buy things that we can't afford to impress people that we do not like because it's all about our, it's about our identity. It's about our identity. It's the reason why we like to tell people where we live if we think where we live is some place of status because we're so consumed with our Identity. It's the reason why children, even at a young age, we teach them because they don't know themselves, but we teach them about things to wear. We put on certain clothes and certain designers and we want them to have the horses and, and uh, we want them to have the polos and the, and the Tommies and the Gucci's and the, they don't wear Fendi no more, do they? Yeah, they probably do. We just don't like it anymore, right? But we do all of that because it's wrapped up in our Identity is wrapped up in who we are. And, and it's amazing because Jesus understands it and so does the world, the power behind you knowing your identity. The world understands it so much that even when we were young people and we wanted to get in the club, in the club, in the club, we would create a fake oh, ID, 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 because we wanted to be what we were not because we thought that was going to help us to get where we wanted to go. We even created a fake identity, some people. I'm not saying everybody. We got some people that will say, I didn't do that when I were little. Well, whatever you did, you did something. Somebody say, I did something. I did something. We, we created fake IDs to be people who we weren't. But then there also became this place where many people uh, created lawsuits and civil uh, suits against the, the authorities because sometimes they came and got someone and it was a case of, mistaken identity they thought that that was the person and it really wasn't that person had some of the features if you will they looked like that person they may have had the same height they may have had the same build and there was something about them that caused that authority to feel like they resembled them so much that it must be them mistaken identity but then even now even now even now we pay monthly fees so that we can protect ourselves so that nobody will steal 
our identity. So you see, it's so, it's so important. I want you to understand the importance of identity because anything that the world is interested in, you should know that there's something that God has already invested in. I want to say that again. Anything the world is interested in, you can have a certainty that God has already invested in it. He's invested in it so much that the enemy wants it. He wants it. He wants it. He wants it. So it's about our identity. Somebody say our identity. It's amazing because when he begins in Matthew 5, we're going to continue there, Matthew 5, he starts declaring to them who they are. Let's look at verse 13 through verse 16, verse 13 through verse 16. And let's read it together. Let's read it together. Let's read it together. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We've heard these verses over and over again. In fact, they become so familiar to us that I almost, even myself, somebody say even the preacher, I almost skipped over this section. I almost said, no, surely there's some more that Jesus was teaching on. They already know that, so let's go on. They even created us on this little lighter. I'm going to let it. So they know that. They know that. They know that. They know that. But, but the Lord said, no, no, no. We don't know that. And that's the reason why we find ourselves in so many circumstances and situations because we have no idea who we are. In fact, he says, if you would look at it, the world itself has said that there's this place where your identity collides with not just your who you are, but with your influence. And also it plays such a role that it determines whether or not you are prejudiced against or not. And so that's why now if you go and fill out applications, they don't just have whether you're black or white. They got all these little checks to say who you are. In fact, they've even told our children it's important that you know your gender identity as if we were not male and we were not female. So it's so important. And today I want you to understand your identity influences, your identity impacts, and listen to this, your identity liberates. Now, those are not my three points, but I had to get them in there somehow. The things that I want us to look at is I want us to, first of all, I want us to look at how influential and how it impacts. Because I want us to understand when Jesus is talking to them, the words that he says, you are, are with emphasis. He's not, he doesn't just look at them and say, you know, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light. He don't look at them. He says to them very strongly with emphasis. He says, you are. That's the word there. It's a word with emphasis. Somebody says, you are. 
He says it to them with emphasis because he wants them to understand how important their identity is, not just to them, but they understand how important their identity is to the world because our identity influences people around us. Somebody say you are. So here are our three points. The first thing he wants them to understand is you are valuable. Somebody say valuable. You are valuable. You are valuable. He says to them, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Now, you have to understand the value behind salt. Salt in his day was extremely valuable. In fact, the Roman soldiers were paid with salt. You know, you hear people say he's worth his salt. He's worth his salt. He's worth his salt. The reason why they would say this, they say he's worth what he's getting paid. He's worth what we're giving to him because salt was very valuable. He also says here that not only is salt valuable or had a high value, but salt was also used to seal covenants. It was also used, if you look throughout Deuteronomy, it was used to seal covenants. It was used to say that there was a agreement, an agreement that occurred between you and I and now we're going to take the salt and we're going to use it to seal or establish the fact that that agreement exists somebody say salt is valuable salt was also used for medicinal purposes if you looked um, throughout the bible you would see where there was salt used to not just wash babies but salt was also used for medicine it's where even you find us we use things salt to wash our hands and salt to scrub our body. And we say that it does what? Exfoliates us, right? It does something. It takes off all the dead skin and allows that what? New skin to appear. Salt was very valuable. So when he's talking to them about salt, he didn't just pick up salt and decide I'm going to speak on it, but he's talking to them about something that they understood to have great value and to be of great worth. So he's saying to you and I, you are valuable. Somebody say you are valuable. He said salt was used to also season things. It was used to give it flavor. It was used to whatever was bland. It was used to give it some kick, some flavor, some flavor. So he says this salt that I'm talking to you about says that you bring a seasoning. You bring something to the table that is not present if you were not there. You bring some flavor. Somebody say flavor. That's why you think that people want you on a project. They don't want you on the project because you're cute. They want you on the project because you bring something to it. Sometimes we get it twisted and we think that it's all about who we are and our looks and our smarts and our brilliance. But the reality is, is the salt in you is so valuable that you bring to the table something of worth that people say, I got to have that. I want it, I want it, I want it. In this day and age, we get confused because we think that the letters behind our name is an indication of our value or worth. But Jesus said, if you never went to school a day in your life, you are valuable. You're valuable, you're valuable, you're valuable. You got to get it in your mind because if you don't get it in your mind, what the enemy will do, he'll cause you to start thinking that you really have no worth. That you're really not worth anything that you, you really, you know, that's why we have to be careful with our young people and dealing with their esteem. 
See, we take their esteem and the world puts on the front of it self-esteem. And it is what you think about yourself. But what we have to have is the premise or foundation that says what you think about yourself has nothing to do with how you look. Has nothing to do with how much you weigh. Has nothing to do with how tall you are or how short you are. What you are worth has everything to do with who you are. You are the salt of the earth. You are valuable. You are valuable. Not only does salt season and bring flavor, but salt also preserves. There was a time when you didn't have a refrigerator. And so you couldn't just go to the grocery store and take the meat and put it in the freezer and keep it until you got ready to cook it. But there was a time when they went out and killed whatever it was they were going to eat. And after they had killed that thing, the question was, what are we going to do with him? Because in about two hours, he's going to start. He's going to start stinking because by nighttime he would have spoiled and he would have become rancid and rotten. But what they would do is they would take salt and they would pour salt over that meat and they would use it to preserve the meat because salt has a property in it that will kill off or slow up or stop bacteria. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Come on. That's a revelation right there. That's a revelation because wherever you are, see, that's why I don't listen to people who say they're taking over my neighborhood. They can't be taking over your neighborhood because wherever you are, you ought to be able to pour something out where that bacteria that's trying to come in, you ought to be able to knock it out. Somebody say salt, salt preserves, it preserves, it preserves the, the world, it preserves people from evil, it preserves evil from coming in and taking up. So you are salt, you are valuable. Somebody say valuable, you're valuable, you're valuable. But he says, I want you to make sure you understand your value because if you don't, then you become useless. Because he says in the verse there, he says, if salt loses its saltiness or loses its flavor, he says, how then shall it be used to season? If you lose who you are, see, oh my God, if you start compromising with who you are and everywhere you go, you don't want to be this and you don't want to be that. You know, sometimes salt can be put on food and people who don't like salt, they don't want to eat that. And when you come in a room and you get put on a food, some people don't like that. So they don't want to eat what you're speaking, right? They don't want to have, they say, I don't like that. That doesn't taste good. Why? Because they don't like salt. God says that if you lose your seasoning, your flavor, then you are no longer any good for what I put you out there. The world needs some salt. He says that if not, that salt will be thrown out and will be trampled underfoot. So you got to understand because we just go into school. Somebody say, I'm just supposed to be treaching. I don't know why I'm so loud right now because we said last week I would be what? Treaching. So I'm, I'm trying to get calm. I'm trying to get calm. But if you understand, I got to teach you. Somebody say, teach, pastor. I got to teach you. I'm going to pause and we're going to teach for a minute. If you understand that the salt that they would pick up sometimes was a mixture of minerals that were found around the marshes of the Dead Sea. And so when they would pick up that mixture, it was not pure salt. 
And what would happen is when water would hit that mixture, then the sodium chloride that was in there would cause this white substance to come out. Now, when that white substance came out, if a person came and tasted it because they were looking for salt, it would have no flavor. Because the water and the mixture of what was in there had removed its flavor. It really wasn't salt. It just looked like salt. And so what they would do, come on, come on, I'm just teaching. Somebody say teach, teach, teach. What they would do then is they would take that mixture and they would say, since it's good for nothing, we're going to throw it at our door to keep the dust down because we can at least use it for something. But that's not the intent that God had created it. So God said what happened is some of us so mixed up with the world that when the water, when things of life hit us, it looks like salt. But when you taste it, it really has no flavor. God says there are things that we are mixing ourselves up in and becoming intertwining. He says when you look at it, it has the form of godliness, but it's denying the power of God. And we wonder why we can't lay hands on folk in a meeting and they get healed and delivered. It's because you look like salt. But you ain't got no flavor. He says, you got to understand who you are. And when you understand the value of who you are, then you don't want to be mixed up with that. And you don't want to be. See, it used to be a time when the church came on the scene or the people of God came on the scene. Everybody knew who you were. Oh, oh, oh. They say, here come that church boy. Here come that holy roller. Uh-huh. Here come that sanctified. See, they didn't understand that we all saved and sanctified. But they would identify people who were really living for God as those who were sanctified because they could smell and sense the salt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, salt brings flavor. Salt brings flavor. That's why when you cook and sometimes you put other stuff. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Holy Ghost dropping it. Holy Ghost dropping Here we go. Here we go. Some of us, you know, some of us can't take real salt. And so we done moved to Mrs. Dash. No salt. You know, I, I never understood. You know, I pick up the little white can. I never understood how it could be no salt. If, it, if it's salt, how it could be no salt. Why? How, how could this be no salt? How could it be salt and be no salt? And then I begin to realize when I start reading it, I don't even use it. It sits in the cabinet now. Because when I start reading it, I said, oh, my God. All of this stuff in here is enough to kill somebody because what happens is they're trying to manufacture or reinvent the taste of salt because they understand that salt is necessary. So what's happening right now is the world is just trying to manufacture. It's trying to reinvent. And that's why they can play so many songs and the saints of God will start singing them and getting excited. We were talking, one of our youth, we were talking one day and we had to break it down to help people to understand that the song let's go to church is not a church song take me to church take me to church we had to understand that that's not really a church song but when they when they presented it on the awards everybody was like oh my goodness they can really sing uh take me to church it's got to be a song but when you look at the lyrics of the song oh i don't even want to should i tell them because they 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 just don't they, they just don't, they don't, they don't understand. It, it's like you, and you sing it, take me to church, take you to church. No, you don't want to go to that church. 
where they're cutting and all. You don't want to go to that church. But what happens is we become so enamored by the world and the beat of what's happening and what's going on that we're willing to allow them to create substitutes that look like church, but it's not church. Somebody say you are valuable. Here's something else. You are useful. You are useful. You are useful. You are useful. He says, not only are you the salt, but you are the light of the world. Verse 14, he says, you're the light of the world. And then he compares them. He says, when you think about the light, he says, a light is like a city that sits on a hill, a city that's on a hill. You can't hide it. Everybody knows that's the city. Everybody knows that's the place. He says, you are the light on the world. You ought to be like a city. Wherever you are, you ought not be hidden. He says that you are a light. Well, a light is useful. A light is useful. A light is used, listen to this, to give people direction. A light is used if you were to turn off the light, then you can't see. But when you turn on the light, a light is used to cause people to see and to know where they're going. He says, you are the light of the world. You are useful. Somebody say, I'm useful. Every day, he says, I am trying to use you so that people can see me. I'm trying to use you every day so that people know which way to go because they have no understanding. You think you're in that place just because you're supposed to be there, but I really put you there because some people can't see and I need you to be the light. But you know, we come and we say, well, you know, I don't want to shine too bright. I don't want to shine, you know, but we don't mind putting on all our bling, but we don't want to, you know, I don't want to shine too much. I don't want I don't want people to just be looking at me. He says, I want them looking at you. I want them to look at you and see a shine that's so distinctive that they say, surely something is going on. She is shining so bright, shine bright like a diamond. No, shine bright like the cross. He says in verse 14, he says, when you light a light. He said, they don't light it. Verse 15, he says, they don't light it and then take it and put it on our basket. He said, because if you take it and put it on the basket, then this usefulness, its purpose is is gone because now it's going to do what? It's going to go out. He says, so if you put a basket, think about a candle. When you light a candle, the candle is doing well because it's exposed to the air. But the moment that you take something and you cover the candle, at that moment, it is snuffed out. So all you see in there is the smoke moving around, but you don't see the light anymore. He says that would be the same thing if you would take who you are and try to put it yourself under a basket. Try to put yourself under the world standard and say, well, I don't want to bring any trouble where I'm going. I don't want to turn things up. He said, no, I want you to turn up. The right way. (laughs) He says, I I, I want you to turn the light on because people are looking. People are trying to see. And the reality is, is when you dim your light, when you dim yourself, then they don't understand who I am and how I'm working in you. So I need you to keep the light on. I wish that Christians had come up with this word that says, and we'll leave the light on for you. Because the truth of the matter is that the world needs to see the light. And not only just the light, 
but they need for you to be so visible that they can see the light of Jesus that's shining in you. We talk about the weather sometimes and we say, today is going to be partly cloudy or today is going to be highly visible. He says, I want you to be so highly visible that the world can't help but to see. He says, put that light on a lampstand. Don't put it on the floor. Put it on a lampstand so that, listen to this, listen to the word says, when you put it on a lampstand, it doesn't just give light to the person who's carrying it. It gives light to everybody that's in the what? In the house. It's in the house. People need you to be the light so that they can see. I, I like this story. I'm going to tell you this story before we go to our next point. The story of a, a little boy. It's a little boy. And he was inside of their apartment. And you remember when you used to have to go and, you know, you probably don't remember, but you may have remembered said, where they used to have to go and light the street lamps. They weren't just lit. They didn't have what we have, Georgia Power, snapping shows. They didn't just turn on the lights, right? They had to go and light the lights. But a little boy was sitting up in the window at home, and he's in his apartment, and he's watching. Down the street, he keeps seeing light come on, light come on. And so all of a sudden, the man who's doing it gets a little closer to where he can see that it's not just coming on, but somebody is turning it on, is lighting the lamps. And all of a sudden, he yells out to his mom. He says, Mom, Dad, come here, come here. It's a man out here. He's poking holes in darkness. The question I have for you today is, are you poking holes in darkness? Would somebody say that they were in a dark place, in a dark situation, and all of a sudden you came on the scene and you poked a hole in darkness? God is calling for some hole pokers, but the reason why we don't know that he's calling us is because we're trying so much to hide the light. He says, no, I sent you to poke a hole in everything that's dark. I sent you to poke a hole in everything that's evil. I sent you to poke a hole in the enemy's camp that I might be able to expose the works of the enemy and declare the light of the Lord. Are you a hole poker? says, I didn't send you to conform, Romans 12 and 1. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Come on, come on, come on. Holy Ghost giving you another nugget. In your neighborhood, you got a what? Transformer that makes sure that all the lights stay on. And anytime the transformer goes out, everybody turns in panic. And they begin to wonder, call the light company and let them know the transformer just went out. Well, God said, I'm calling on transformers to let your light so shine. That people can see the glory of the Lord. Somebody say, I'm useful. Ooh. My God. My God. Sometimes, sometimes it's hard to take on your identity, but God says, Don't you shrink back from it because I need you. I need you. Here's the last one. Here's the last one. You are a witness. You are a witness. Come on, say, I'm a witness. A witness is used to attest to the truth or validity of something or someone. So he says, you are the salt and you are the light. 
because I'm using you to testify to the world the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the reality is that you and I are witnessing to something. The question is just what is it? Oh, 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 I'm getting ready to come down the street. Can I, can I go? I got, I got three minutes. I got three minutes. Can I go down the street? Can I go? Can I come down your street? Can I? If, if every time you face a problem and you got to get turned up and you got to post on Facebook. Come on, I'm talking about the saints. I'm talking about what you're posting. I ain't in your business. You posting it. You got to post on Facebook that you just need a little something, something to wind you down to help you get your mind on straight. To help. If you are witnessing and testifying to the world that those are the things that stabilize you. Those are the things that make you well. Those are the things that help you in your problem. Then what you miss telling the world is that Jesus is a help. You miss telling them that God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. He will not suffer the earth to be removed. See you miss telling them that if you witness and told them it was the spirit rather than the spirit that could help you. Come on. Come on. I don't want to come down your street, but I will. I will. I will. You better put your toes in because I will. He says, whatever it is that you are doing and, and using, come on, come on, come on. We always like to talk about drugs, sex, and alcohol, but we don't want to talk about them Twinkies. We don't, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't want talk, we don't want to talk about them little Debbies. We don't, we don't want to, we don't want to talk about what the world calls comfort food. We don't want to talk about the fact that we have been tricked into using foods to bring us comfort and foods to bring us satisfaction and foods to help us feel good about this and about that. When God says that I am your strength. He says, Jesus says, I will go away and leave for you a comforter. So if you're witnessing to say it's the food that makes me feel good, then what you just told the world is, listen, the comforter who is here, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who's come to walk alongside you, the one who's come to lead and guide you into all truth. You just told them that he don't work. This does. Oh, he says, but you are a witness. You are here to proclaim. Look at verse 16. You are here to let your light shine. So shine, not just shine, but so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. He says, so everything you're doing gives witness. The thing you need to ask yourself is, am I a witness to him? The world wants to redefine you. The world wants to tell you something different because it understands the power of who you are. The world wants to redefine you because it it understands that when you know who you are, you bring glory. 
That's why the psalmist says, let the glory of the Lord cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Because he understands that when the presence of the Lord is there, then everything you're going through, listen, 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 not, it doesn't just disappear. Because that's where we've been telling you a lie in church to tell you that you give your hand to the pastor and your heart to Jesus. Everything going to be all right. No, in this world, you will have tribulations. But be of good cheer because I have already overcome the world. The difference is just in how you deal with it. Paul says, when death comes, you're going to weep. But I don't want you to weep like the world weeps. I want you to weep like somebody who has hope. So today's lesson is that you would understand who you are. And when you understand who you are, you can ask yourself, am I bringing flavor? That's your homework. Am I bringing flavor wherever I go? Am I seasoning what's going on? You can ask yourself, am I preserving someone? Am I helping them by my actions, by my words, and by my deeds? Am I helping them to come out of darkness and to be brought into light? Am I preserving somebody? And you can ask yourself all week long and all day, am I highly visible? Or am I undercover? Because God says your identity is who you are. And the reality is, is no matter how much you try to snuff it, it's who you are. You can't get away from it. It's who you are. It's who you are. So if you just be who you are, then God can be who he needs to be. If you be who you are, he can be who he needs to be in the lives of other people. If you would just be who you are. Don't take up on somebody else's identity. It's fake. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. Don't allow somebody to mistake you for somebody else. Tell you this story before I close. One year we had all gone to... Um, we went to New York, Upper State New York, with our, with our pastor. He was going to preach up there with Pastor Cherry. So we went up Upper State New York. And um, everybody was going out, and they were having a great time because we rode in buses and planes, trains, and automobiles, right? And we all got up there, and we were right near the Canada line so you can enjoy Canada. But everybody was going and having a great time. And I remember I was a young preacher. I was a young preacher. And everybody wanted to, they were going bowling. Somebody say bowling. And so I told Pastor Haynes, I said, um, I said, everybody's going bowling. I'm going bowling. He said, no, you're not going bowling. So I was like, I know he ain't trying to get religious on me. I just want to go bowling. I've seen him bowl before. So I said, why? Everybody's going bowling. I just want to go bowling. I want to go bowling. It's the choir. It's all these church people. We're church people. He said, no, no. You cannot go bowling. So when we all get in the elevator, the people who are not going bowling, he's in the elevator with us, and my lip is dragging. I'm so mad. I'm so mad. I'm like, "Mm." so then he looks at me. Person gets off the elevator, and he looks at me, and he says, why are you dragging? And I said, because, Pastor, I just want to go bowling. Everybody's going bowling. I don't know why I got to go back to the room. Everybody's going bowling. He said, you really want to go bowling? I say, yeah, I just want to go bowling. He said, okay, you can go bowling. 
I got off the elevator, skipped to my room, put on some jeans, went hope I would start calling everybody like, don't leave me. I'm, calm, I'm going bowling. I'm going bowling. Ran down the elevator, got down the elevator, ran in the lobby, catch them, got in there, got in the bowling alley, went bowling. Bowling at the bowling alley, had a great time, great time. Everybody's having a good time, good time. The next morning, we're in the lobby, and the guitar player coming off the elevator. I'm standing in the lobby, and he sees me, and he runs behind me. He said, hey, girl, and he picked me up. The preacher, he picked the preacher up. And I did like this, and I looked, and Pastor Hayes was standing right there. He said, <laughs> he didn't even open his mouth. He just looked at me. He said, <laughs> and he said to me afterward, he says, that's why I said you can't go bowling with the people. Because when you went bowling with him, he thought that you were at the same place he was. And so you became familiar to him and you lost your saltiness. So that's why he could think when he came off that elevator, he could pick you up and play with you because you went bowling. But what God is saying is some of y'all bowling with people you ought not be bowling with, doing things. And I'm not just talking about rolling the ball. I'm talking about living life with people you shouldn't be living life with. And as a result, they have mistaken your identity for somebody that you're not. Somebody say, I can't do what they do. My God. <laughs> so you got to watch yourself. Because some of y'all got mistaken identity. And the last thing is make sure ain't nobody stealing your ID. You are certain of that by keeping up with the word and keeping up with who you are and keeping up with what God said about you. That's how you know. You check your bank accounts. That's how you know nobody's stealing. You check your credit cards. That's how you know nobody's stealing. You have somebody who's watching. That's how you know. Listen, stay in the word. Stay in prayer. And when you do those things, you know that you've got your identity. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information on other products and materials, please contact us at 770-484-9300, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or visit our website at www.newcov.org. If you're in the Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for one of our dynamic services. Once again, thank you for receiving the living word of God from New Covenant Christian Ministries, where we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ.